Well, welcome today to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you. And uh, if you have your Bible, if you would, if you would turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 3. Uh, we are uh, getting kind of wrapping up this series. And, and, uh, and as we, on highlights, we've been going through this summer. And as we have been, uh, I, I was kind of processing through and thinking of a verse, probably the first verse maybe that you memorized, the first verse that I memorized, actually the second, the first verse I memorized was Jesus wept, right? Because that's the shortest verse in the Bible. And uh, but the second verse was uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. And this has been a verse that, quite frankly, has been really just, um, wow, I've kind of been marinating on for a while. And you may go, it's a simple verse. It's like 26 words. It's one sentence. But I can't get away from it. And I was just, as I'm going through this series, I, I, I thought, well... You know, this is all about highlights and about this. And this verse keeps just popping up. And I thought, I can't preach a message on like John 3.16 because these people are going to think like, does he not have anything else to say for this summer? Like, is he resigning next week? I mean, what? It's like the scrape at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, like everybody knows this verse. I mean, you know, how many of you, you memorized the verse, John 3.16? I mean, it's just, okay, right? So it's like, okay, that kind of a deal. And, but I just keep coming back to it. So I said, oh, okay, Lord, I, I'll do this. Because I think it's simple, but I think it can be overlooked. And um, so I went back, and I found my Bible my, for, as a kid. Now, you know, I'm a kid of the 80s, so this was like Velcro. This was back in the time of uh, Ocean Pacific. Remember that OP, right? Hobie shirts. Come on, take me back. And Varnea France glasses. Remember all that? And so it has Velcro. It's really nice. And that was my little Bible cover right here. And I outlined the little dove in the front because I got bored in church. I'm sure you've never done that. And 1983 is when I got this, 1983. So I was flipping through here, and uh, there's a little note that I probably wrote while I was sitting in church. And then there's a little tithing envelope for Speed of Light. I was such a good kid. But it's empty. So I, mean, I wrote it, but I took the money and probably went to pizza. And then there's the church bulletin in here from uh, 1987. Don't you love those church bulletins like that? me back and that's when like, like they did the whole like Sunday morning service and the you know school of the Bible and in the offertory and the special music and all that so I'm you know anyhow and but I'll go to John chapter 3 verse 16 and there it is it's the verse the first verse that I highlighted in this Bible and I just go back and say man I want to walk through this verse because I think it reminds us of the simplicity but the complexity of God. And it's a verse that you know. It's a verse sometimes I think is simple and, and overlooked, but it's powerful. And it needs to be reminded. John chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. I just want to walk through this verse and I just want to remind us of a few things and maybe highlight a few things and maybe even bring to light a couple things. Especially as we're kind of ending this summer season and we're going into the fall and the fall tends to be a time where we see a lot of people, schools coming back into session, things are kind of coming back in, and fall tends to be a time where we see a lot of people that have been away, new people that have moved in. Uh, it's a time where people start inviting friends kind of back to church because everybody's kind of in and out through the summertime a lot, and things start coming back, and there's going to be a lot of guests. And, 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 and I just think it's important for us to kind of go through this. It's also a time, too, for us just to kind of make sure that kind of a gut check, and personally, spiritually, 
And, and the first thing that we start with is, is, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. That word so means without strings, without condition. It's, it's easy to kind of walk through this, but there's a reason. The Bible says that every jot and every tittle in the word, every semicolon, every pronoun, every verb, every adjective, every prepositional phrase, it all has a meaning. And that word so means it talks about how God loves. God loves without strings, without condition. That's something that you and I don't have the ability to do. We only have the ability for God to do that through us, but we love on condition. I mean, if people are nice to us in traffic, we're nice to them sometimes in traffic. But somebody flips us off on the freeway, we're, right? And don't look at me like, oh, I can't believe you just said that. I mean, come on. And you're, you're, you're driving and you're going, and, or, or somebody cuts you off here, or someone doesn't. Isn't, I mean, if, it's, it's easy. The Bible says, the book of James says that if even sinners are nice to people who are nice to them, but to be nice to someone who's not nice to you, it's <laughs> not happening. And so, but that's not how God loves. The Bible says that God so loves. He doesn't so love the church or so love missionaries or so love sweet grandmothers. God so loved the world. That world, that word world in the Greek is, is cosmos. And cosmos means this. Let me, uh, let me give you the exact definition. The ungodly multitude the whole mass of men alienated from God, therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. For God so loved, not the church. Matter of fact, it's interesting. Jesus never wept over the church. Luke, who was a physician, who was, was a very meticulous writer, in his gospel, he records how Jesus wept over the city. Jesus cried over the city. He cried over humanity. He didn't cry over the church. For God so loved the world. Without strings, without condition. And why? How? Because that's who God is. First John tells us that God is love. So this isn't an adjective to describe God. This isn't some attribute that he has. It is who he is. And as God loves, this is how he loves because that's what he is. He loves without condition. He loves without restraint. He loves really even without reason. And we can't get that in humanity because we love with condition and we love with, with, with strings attached. And we love you because you're nice to me and you're nice to my kids or, or you help me or I help you. And we have that kind of a love. But God says that he loves the world, the unrepentant, the ungodly, those that are diametrically opposed to his son, Jesus Christ. That's who he loves. And we thought it was us. We thought, well, I got a special... No. And he loves the world so much that the Bible says that he gave. I love that, that phrase. That he gave. How did God respond to humanity? How did God respond to an unrepentant, sinful world? With radical generosity. Think about that for a minute. I mean, I, I can reciprocate. I mean, you're nice to me. I can be nice to you. But if you like, don't like me, you're rude to me, I don't have any problem with just, okay, you, you work that side of the street, I'll work this side of the street, right? You, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. Not God. God said, I love this world without condition 
so much that I will give. See, if you really want to be like God, if you really want to follow Jesus, that's why Jesus said, we have a hard time with this, that if someone, you know, if someone asks you to, to take their coat and carry it for a mile, carry it too. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, then turn to your left cheek and let them in that one as well. If someone speaks ill of you, just, just take it. Why would I do that? Because there's something about the human condition that goes, if you don't treat me right, I'm not going to treat you right. If you're not kind to me, I'm not going to be kind to you. But God, in His love and who He is, says, no, 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 no. I will love you so much that I will give. That's the reason why every single time in our lives that we respond in giving, in radical generosity to people that don't have the benefit to help us, to people that don't have the ability to pay us back. To, 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 there's no boomerang effect. We just do it, even to someone that may be mean to us, even to someone that doesn't agree with us, even to someone that doesn't like us. When we respond with radical generosity in our attitude and our actions towards them, it's God in us. It's, it's, it's acting the way Jesus acts, because that's the only person that does that. And the Bible says that he gave his one and only son. Notice, he doesn't give leftovers. He doesn't give a little something, something. He gives his best. He gives his only. He gives his all. He gives his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Just because. You mean there's no, like, reason strings attached? You mean there's no, like, cause and effect here? You mean, like, there's nothing in it for God? No. It's just because He loves. And I want to stop right here and just say this. If you don't hear anything else today that I say, understand this, that God loves you just the way you are. The Bible says that when we were dead in our sins, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But man, Aaron, you don't understand, dude. I've been serving God a long time, but there's some sin in my life. God loves you. You don't understand, man. I mean, there's just some stuff. Oh, there may be some stuff, and I'm not saying it's not sin, but I'm just telling you, God still loves you so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. But man, I mean, I don't even, I don't even pretend to be like right with God. I mean, I, I, I'm here because I lost a bet and I got to show up for church and I figured I might as well get it done and get it over with and, and that kind of a deal. And I don't even, God loves you so much that he gave his only son. Not, I'll give a lot, but I'm going to give you my kids. I'll put up with a lot. But I'm not going to let you mess with my kids. I'll let you say what you want to say to me, but you're not going to do that to my kids. You don't think God doesn't feel the exact same way? The Bible says that God's a jealous God, that God possesses these same characters and abilities. How do you know that? Because the Bible says that we're made in His image and His likeness. The will and the volition that we have, the emotional energy that we have, the passion that we have, these are all attributes of who God is. But yet God loved us enough that he gave his one and only son, his best. See, we have what, we, what I would call like shelf life or, or expiration, conditional giving. Here's the way this works. 
Let's talk about church for a minute. Somebody comes to from church A to church B. They go to church B. They come from the church down the street because the church down the street isn't utilizing their gifts and their ministry. It's funny how we have these little words that we use in my ministry. And I'm not using that. And what that means is, is that nobody thanked me for what I did at the other church. And nobody wrote me a thank you card or patted me on the back. Nobody recognized me. So I need to go someplace where my ministry can be used. No, you want to be someplace where you can be recognized, thanked, patted on the back. No, 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 pastor. I just... Yeah, because we all give and we all have a tendency to do, myself included, we, we like a little thank you. I mean, if you ask my assistant, Courtney, she will tell you, I, I keep every thank you card, every nice card that comes to me. Pastor, you're a blessing. Pastor, thank you. Pastor, I love you. I, I keep all that. I keep my, my voicemail. I, I keep all that. I keep all that. The ones that are ugly and that tell me how bad I am, I just shred those up. But, but the nice ones, I keep all those. Why? Because at the end of the day, I'm just like you. I, I like to be thanked. So I'm not picking on you. I'm just talking about the truth. We all want to be appreciated. And, but the reality is, is we go until you go to church and you start showing up and you start getting involved and you start doing this and that and, and you start utilizing your gift and you begin to give and you do some generosity and at the end of the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, somewhere they're going to recognize this. Somewhere I'm going to get a card. Somewhere I'm going to get a call. Somewhere the pastor's going to recognize. Somewhere one of the staff pastors is going to say. Somewhere somebody's going to say. And nobody says anything. So then you say to yourself, well, I don't have to put up with this. Because the, re- the reason why you're being generous, the reason why you're giving, the reason why you are loving is really not for them, it's for you. The reason why we do is not because of them, it's because of me. And so we just, if you have a balcony in the church, you kind of move from the front, from the main floor to the balcony we don't have. So you kind of move from the front to the back. You move from the Sunday morning service, Saturday night service, Saturday night service, Sunday morning service. And all of a sudden you go to another church and you wind up because your ministry gift wasn't used at church B. So you're, now you're at church C. Why is that? It's because there's something in us that says, if I'm going to do this, there has to be at some point a recognition. And I just want you to understand, God doesn't operate that way. You do. I do. It's not right. It's reality. But he doesn't. He never gets to a place to go, I'm tired of loving you. I'm tired of telling you about my son. I'm tired of giving you chances. I'm tired. Three strikes and you're out. God doesn't operate that way. He loves you so much that he gives without strings attached, unconditionally, in a way that you've never been loved before. God loves you. He loves me. He loves the rapist. He loves the murderer. He loves the, the, the child abuser. Have I, have I picked anybody yet that, that you don't like? He loves the Muslim. He loves the homosexual. And you go, oh, I don't know about that. No, he loves them all. That's what the word says. Now, he hates the sin and the devil and the perversion behind them, but he loves them and their soul, and he hates what the devil has done to them, but he loves them. Why? Because that's who and what he is. And there's no expiration date to that. There's no shelf life to that. There's no, you can't insult God so many times that he doesn't love you. Whether you're a Christian that's a hypocrite that needs to get your life and your junk right with God, or whether you're splitting hell wide open, God loves you the same. Or whether you're a sweet grandmother who's never done anything wrong, never said a bad word, never done anything but just be nice and be sweet, he loves you the exact same. Why? Because that's who and what he is. And I can see some of you going, well, I don't know, Pastor. Mm, Let's just keep reading on. And the Bible says that whosoever, 
believes in him. And the NIV says, whoever believes in him. King James says, whosoever. I like the whosoever. Who, anyone, so, unconditionally, ever, forever, it never ends. Anyone can come to God. God loves anyone right where they are. God cares for anyone right where they are. The unconditional love of God is given to anyone. The serial killer, the mass murderer, the, the sex trafficker. He loves them all, as well as you and me. Remember the song, Jesus Loves the Little Children? All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Anyone, whosoever. See, God doesn't check the soil before He plants and He invests. God doesn't vet the investment before He gives the million dollars. See, if I'm going to give you a million dollars... If I'm going to invest a million dollars, I don't have a million dollars to give you, so don't come and ask me. But if I had a million dollars, I was going to invest it in your business, I'd want to, like, well, I'd want to see the P&Ls, and I'd want to see some projections, and I'd want to have some ideology. I'd want to have some, here, how does this work, and how does that work, and, and what are your projections? I, I'd want to know something before I invested money in you. If, if I was going to invest in a ministry, and I'm going to give a and we do this even with ministry, if we're going to give to a missionary, we're going to give to a project, we, we want to meet the, meet the missionary, we want to check out the project, we want to make sure that the money's going in good soil. If we're going to do something, we're building this facility, we want to make sure that, that it's a good thing and that it all works out, we want to make sure. But God doesn't do that. The Bible says that whosoever believes in the name of the Lord, whosoever believes in Jesus, Whoever, anyone, God, God says, look, I'm putting it out there. Before I know you, if you're going to accept it or not, I'm going to put it out there. And he's not just putting a test pilot out there. He, he's not just putting one of his sons out there. He's putting his one and his only son. Why? Because he loves unconditionally whether you accept or you reject it. He loves. Whether one person follows Jesus or whether a million people, that's who he did. Whether one person he was going to die on the cross for or was going to be the entire sins of humanity, he Loves us that way just because. And we forget that, especially as Christians. We, we think, ah, nah. No. I'm reminded of when they're going to crucify Jesus. And what happens is, is that the Israelites were under the occupation and the authority of the Roman government. And the Roman government, the way they would occupy uh, other people groups when they would overtake them is they wouldn't, they wouldn't completely take them out of power. They'd allow them to have some governorship and some power, but the only thing they couldn't do was exalt anything above Caesar. And so there was a few basic rules, but, but, but relatively they let them kind of do what they want to do. And so the Israelites, they left them alone. They let them rule their own people and do that under the Roman Empire. And the Israelites, the, the religious leaders of the day, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the, and the council of the Sanhedrin wanted to crucify Jesus. Why? Because he was the son of the living God. And so they go before Pilate, who is a governor of the state, who is an officer of the state, and they go, look, we can't kill him because our law prohibits us. Isn't that funny? Jesus came to fulfill the law, and the very law he comes to fulfill is the very law that's going to kill him. That, that reason why they can't kill him. So we need you to do it for us. And Pilate says, okay, but I don't see any fault in this man. And he said, but I'll interview him nonetheless. And Jesus comes before Pilate. And he sees no fault in him. And he goes back to the religious leaders, to the, to the Israelites and the Jews, and says, hey, I don't see any fault in him. 
And he said, but here's the deal. Every year at this time, we will release one prisoner. One prisoner gets a get-out-of-jail-free card. So here's what I'll do. I'm not going to crucify him. But I'm going to bring the most ultimate popularity contest of all time. And I'm going to have one prisoner here, and I'm going to put Jesus here. And I'm going to let the people decide, the Israelites decide. So they get this guy, Barabbas. Now, Barabbas is a rapist. He's a murderer. He's a thief. He's a crook. He's a serial offender, okay? He's been in the system a while. This isn't his first rodeo. So they get the most rank, horrific criminal that they can find, and they bring this guy who has raped their, 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 their women, who has stole from their homes, and who has murdered their people. And Pilate, I mean, this is an IQ test, folks. Pilate goes and says, do you want Jesus, who his only fault that these men say is, is that he, he claims to be the Son of God. But he has raised, raised people from the dead. He has healed the sick. He has fed 5,000 of you at one point in time. He fed another 4,000 another time that's kind of not even really reported. But he did, he's not done anything to hurt anybody. But his only offense is that he says he's the Son of God. So do you want to kill him or do you want to kill Barabbas? Don't you think about this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever would believe in him. And who did they choose? Barabbas. Free the murderer. Free the rapist. Free the thief. Free the repeat offender. Free Barabbas. But crucify Jesus. Crucify him. And Pilate washes his hands and said, I didn't make this decision. I mean, an ungodly man that has no connection to this whatsoever says, I want nothing to do with this. And there's God giving his only son to humanity just because he loves and humanity rejects him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish. The one thing that Jesus came to do was to die. Why? Because death is the biggest fear that we have. I mean, as a pastor, there are times I'm brought in before somebody dies and if I show up at the Hospital, you know, don't freak out. But usually that's when I go. And, and I had one guy say, whoa, 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 I haven't got a doctor's report yet, but you're here. Is, did, do I need to know something? No, 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 I'm seeing somebody else. And so I'm just coming by. I heard you were here. And uh, nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to die. It's the greatest fear. And God says, I'll take the greatest fear of humanity, which is death. And death is a result of sin, and I'll tackle that. Because if I can beat that, I beat everything else. If I beat this, I beat everything else. If I take on the number one on the list, I can beat everything else. If I can overcome this fear that you have of death, then every other fear is subject to that. And so God says that you'll never die, but you'll have eternal life. Life. It's the one thing everybody wants. Whether you're in a third world or emerging uh, country that's trying to get fresh, clean water and sanitary systems so that they can live. Whether they're trying to get medicine so that they can live. Whether you're on the mission field trying to help them live or you're in the mansion 
of, of, of 20,000 feet. Everybody wants life. And life is something that money can't buy. Oh, you can prolong a, a, a respiratory system for a season on a ventilator. But that's not living. And God said, I'll take the very thing that you want. And you know the reason why we want that? Do you know the reason why that that's it? Because you and I were never created to die. Look at it. When, when sin entered the world, death entered the world with it. But before that, Adam and Eve in the garden were created to live forever. That's how God created us. And when sin entered the world, then came death and destruction. And with death and sickness and disease came into the world. And so our bodies are not, we're not made to psychologically handle death. We're not made to, we were never made to face death. God never created us to do that. And so as our bodies decay, and our body, this is all a result of sin. And, and, and all of these things that happen in our lives, that's just why we, we fight against it, because our spirit is not designed that way. But this flesh is so frail. It's the reason why with technological advancements and scientific advancements, we, from the very beginning of time, have been pushing against this, trying to prolong this thing and prolong this thing and prolong this thing. Why? Because we want to find an answer, but there is no answer. Because God is the author and the finisher of life. And God says, I love you so much without strings attached that if you will believe in my son Jesus Christ, if you will accept him and the love that he has for you, this, this sin of this world and this sickness of this world and this disease in this world, he will absolve that in your life and you don't have to die and you can live forever. Sounds like a fairy tale. No, it's the basis of the gospel. Twenty-six words, one sentence. But it's the reason why we're here today. It's the whole essence of what this is all about. This is it. This is the good news that there is a God that loves you and loves me. And sometimes we forget that. And sometimes we become numb to that. But he loves us. It's the reason why this church exists. Can, can I just remind you? That's what we're called to do. Trusty Christians, that's what we're called to do. We're called to love the way Jesus loves. How is that? Without condition. That means I'm not loving the neighbor who helps me. I'm not loving the neighbor who, who will pick up my mail or who will you know, cut the grass when I'm on vacation. I'm going to love the crotchety neighbor that never says hi. I'm going to love the, 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 the rude individual that I have to interact with. I'm going to, the guy that cuts me off in traffic, the person that's just, that's out for my job at the workplace, I'm going to love. Why? Because that's who God is and God's in me. And even though I can't do that, God can do that through me. I'm going to love without strings attached. That's what we're called to do as a church. Do you realize that? We're called to love our enemies. We're called to love people that speak all manner of evil against us. We're called to love people that persecute us. We're not just called to love nice people. We're not just called to love people that look like us. We're called to love everybody. And that love only becomes demonstrated when we give with generosity. And I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about with your life. I'm just telling you, it's so easy to write a check. I'm talking about giving of yourself, giving of your energy, giving of your, of your time, giving of your talent, without any thank you cards, without any recognition. You know, do, do you want to be known and recognized or do you just want to serve? I'm just telling you, honestly, if I only preach when I felt appreciated, and this is a great church, I wouldn't preach a whole lot. Ministry is kind of a thankless thing. 
Because everybody's running 90 miles an hour. I don't need you to send me anything this week or I love you, Pastor, whatever. appreciate that. I'm just saying, I'm not down on the dumps. I'm just saying, it's a thankless thing. Because life's happening and things are happening and occasionally you get this and that. But the reality is, is we cannot live this side of eternity for the applause of man. It is so short-lived and it is so here and there. And if you haven't been thanked and you haven't been recognized, then join the club, get a number and stand in line. And if that's why you're doing it in the first place, you've missed it. It's about giving with generosity, with no strings attached, with not expecting anything. To this world, to anyone, to everyone, to whosoever. I mean, that's what it's about. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how much money you make or you don't make. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you're going. It doesn't matter if you smell. It doesn't matter what you look like. We're going to love you, period. And I, and I can see some of you kind of going, well, you know, uh, it's kind of the, the law thing, the grace thing. And, you know, you're just, you're just saying that, you know, God loves everybody and everybody goes to heaven. No, I'm not. The Bible's real clear about that, even in John 3.16. You have to believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 confirm it. Matter of fact, I read the book of Romans this week. I was on a plane, and I just, I've been fascinated with this book. I keep going back to this book, because it's just this incredible gifting of, of, of knowledge on how the law and, and how grace intersect. And I'm just going to tell you, the law had inabilities that only grace could meet. All the law could do is point out that you're a sinner. But grace is the only one that met the need. All the law could do was show you what you did that was wrong, that you already knew in the first place. But it was the amazing grace that Jesus Christ paid on Calvary's cross that saved your backside. Only the law could say that you're condemned, but it was the grace that says you're saved. See, the reality is, it's not the law that saved us. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. It's the love of the Father. It's His unconditional love to anyone. And so I'm not saying that you can go do what you want to do and God's going to, you're okay with God. All I'm saying is, is you can do whatever you want to do and God still loves you. But if you want to go to heaven, it's very simple. There's only one way to the Father, that's through the Son. There's not a bunch of roads that lead to God. Contrary to what Jay-Z thinks. There, 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 there's, not a, there, there's not multiple opportunities. There is one God, and his name is Jesus Christ. And when you pray to Jesus, to God, through Jesus Christ, you're not praying to Allah, that's, you're not praying to Muhammad, you're not praying to Buddha, Krishna, you're not praying, you are praying directly to the Jehovah God. That's according to the word of God. There's only one, his name is Jesus Christ. I didn't write, it's what the Bible says. I thought you said God said he loved us. He does. Loves enough to tell us the truth. But God still loves, even if we reject. Even if we walk away. Even if we give God the Heisman. He still loves us. And we're called to love the world. Look, Jesus said to the disciples, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Not cleaners of the fish. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But fishers of men. My job isn't to point out your faults and failures. My job is to tell you there's a way. And his name is Jesus. And God loves you and has a plan for your life. And you're welcome to come to Life Church and kick the tires on this thing called faith as long as you like. See, to anyone, that's what Jesus did for us. And as we wrap up this summer and we go into this fall, I just want to do a couple of things. One, I want to talk to the West Campus for a minute. Because at the West Campus, you, you're, you're at the theater and there's empty seats. And sometimes you think, well, when's this going to grow and what's this going to do? Well, West Campus, what I would say to you is look around at the empty seats in that room. And you're growing and you're doing well. But it's your responsibility to fill those seats. 
It's your responsibility to love the way Jesus loves, to give with generosity, not just of your money, but to give of yourself and to bring people, anyone, into the love of God. You've got a brand new campus pastor in Danny Phillips, and I would encourage you, get behind him. The greatest growth potential for Life Church lies at the West Campus. Life Church, Germantown campus, I'd say to you, that's why we're building this building. That's what it's all about. It's about demonstrating the love of God in a tangible way. We're building a facility that facilitates what God's doing. That's all it is. It's just a tool to facilitate what God's doing. And so I would encourage you to get out and to, and to just love people the way God loves people. Your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, invite them. As we go into this fall, we're going to do a series here, here next month called uh, Awkward Family Photos. And I mean, you've seen some of those, but they're crazy funny. And that's what we're going to do. And you're going to laugh. It's not gonna, I'm just going to tell you, it's not going to be deeply spiritual in a lot of ways, but you're going to have fun in church, okay? But, but the reason why we're going to do it is because we're going to reach people far away from God. You go, that's crazy. No, it's called the Great Commission. Listen. When I get to heaven, I can sing for a thousand years. When I get to heaven, I'll be able to figure out every theological truth I've ever, and quandary I've, I've ever figured, I've wanted to know. When I get into heaven, I'll be able to talk to the author himself. There's only one thing this side of eternity that I cannot do, and that's see a sinner come into the saving arms of Jesus Christ. So that's what I'm giving my life to. That's what we're doing this fall. And so I just want to encourage you. That's what this is all about. And as we go into this year, Life Church, I just want to remind us, all of us, West Campus, Germantown Campus, Online Campus, we're even right now, we're in the works of launching another campus I can't tell you about yet. And, 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 and here's the reality. It's all about reaching people. It's all about telling people there's a God that loves them just because. And anyone, regardless of who they are, that calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. I love what uh, C.S. Lewis, who wrote Chronicles of Narnia, the great writer, was asked one time in a very astute hall, and he was doing a, uh, he was doing, it was a Q&A time, and uh, somebody said, you know, Lewis, we, we know that some of your, your writings are, are overtly Christian. He said, that's true, and, and why would you do that? And, and, and really, how does Christianity differ from anything else in the world? He goes, it's easy. Forgiveness. For every other religion in the world requires you to conform to their God and requires you to have to jump through. But Christianity is the only religion in the world that says God loves you and God will come to you. All the other religions of the world require you to come to him, but Christianity says God says that he's already come to you and made a way through his son Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave. Father, I just thank you today. Lord, for your love that's so vast, that's so awesome. And I thank you, Lord, for someone like me who's been raised in church all my life just to remember that I serve a God who doesn't just love me, doesn't just love nice people, doesn't just love church people, but loves a world that hates him, but he loves just because. That I'm following a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the one and the only Son of God, the very best, that gave his life for me. And that I have life today and for eternity. And that I don't have to fear death 
because of a God that loved me enough to give his only son. And all he asks of me is to follow him. Just follow him. And so Lord, today I just pray that you would help me to love as you love, to give as you gave, and to serve as you serve me. As we go into this fall, that we would be that kind of church. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you say, Aaron, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm going to ask you in just a second to lift your hand and I'm going to pray for you. That's it. I'm going to lead you in a prayer that I'm going to ask everybody in this room to pray. Praying the prayer doesn't save you, but if you believe what you are about to pray, if you believe John 3.16 in essence, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. And you'll have hope of eternal life. You're not joining a church. You're not following Aaron. You're following Jesus. If you're here today and you say, Aaron, I, I want to give my life to Christ. I, I, I want to pray for you. Would you just slip up your hand just high enough for me to be able to see it? Thanks. Somebody else. That's where you're at today. In this room. Thank you. Anybody else? Here's what I want to do. I want to pray this prayer. I want to lead you in this prayer. And it's not these words that save you. It's, it is the, it's, it's the, the heart. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is, that you will be saved. So will you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, everyone, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I thank you that you love me enough that you gave your only son, Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and all my unrighteousness and all my mistakes and I give my life to you. And I ask you, Jesus, to come in and to live in my heart and in my life forever. In Jesus' name. Amen.